1: Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at xfinity.com slash XFi.
2: Hey, this is Emily. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Today, I am jazzed to talk through some new research that just came out, Bridget, that confirms some of my biggest suspicions around women's ambition and our love lives that I've been writing about since the very beginning of my journey with Bossed Up. Uh, in fact, one my the, the first thing that I thought worth mentioning in this episode was an article I wrote called I'm Tired of Young Women Downplaying Their Accomplishments for RollReboot.org. Shout out to them. Shout out to that amazing uh, blog that I used to write for a lot, all about living life off script. In other words, like ditching gender roles. And here's the main gist of it. It has to do with our ambition and our achievements And our dating lives. So I found myself in a predicament that I wonder, Bridget, if you've ever experienced or if anyone listening has. Let's hear it. Which is I was really into this new guy that I was dating. And for the first couple of months, I didn't even really realize that I hadn't mentioned a lot of my biggest achievements at work. I hadn't really mentioned what I'd been doing. At the time, I was a political digital strategist working on some of the biggest, hottest Senate uh, campaigns across the country. This was back in 2012. Mm -hmm. And I was working for a super PAC, so I had my hand in every major Senate race in the country, which was super fun. Um, At the time, I had just gotten off of a day in which I had a huge victory for my client. And when I met up with him to play some volleyball... Shout out to Brad the Boo, who's been in the picture now for quite some time. I found myself accidentally slipping and reveling in one of my successes from the day. Oh heavens no! So I like, oh no, I gasped. And like, I looked at him as though he should have been intimidated by me, which is really egomaniacal of me. <laughs> but I was like, does that not intimidate you like I shouldn't even you know I'm sorry I didn't mean to like gloat or anything you know I like apologized for yeah. talking about my big success at work that day he turns to me and says no that's hot and I'm like whoa what <laughs> like, like record, record scratch yeah and I'm like what do you mean he's like I think it's awesome that you're killing it at work and what surprised me in that moment was not just his response but my response to his response aka I was surprised right that I was worried, and then he was not at all intimidated. Like, why had I been dating this guy for two months at the time and hadn't really mentioned how much I loved what I was doing and how proud I was of what I was doing at work?
3: Yeah, I mean, do do ambitious women feel like they have to downplay their their career ambitions their career successes in order to get you know get into men's get good graces guy. to get the boo
2: yeah and i have to i have to put out a little disclaimer here by saying this is a seriously heteronormative situation in that something that research has found really amongst heterosexual couples that single women and now there is finally new research that just came out this month that Women who are single and heterosexual do, in fact, self-censor around men when they think that whatever their career ambitions are might be seen or viewed by their other classmates, including men. So, I, I mean, I want to dive into that new research, which is being called the Ambition Marriage trade-off. Uh, Harvard Business Review put out an article called The Ambition Marriage Trade-Off Too Many Single Women Face. And I feel like there is so much to, to sink There's our teeth So much in to unpack. Here. Um, I think, I mean, I think it's worth saying that, like, I'm,
3: I'm can brag on you. I know that you're a very ambitious, like, successful woman. I admire this about you is that you're very, like, you own your accomplishments, which is something that, like, I, I mean, I think that's great, right? So, like, right. so I, I have a very, like, kind of complicated feelings about this. But something I can't stand is like in celebrities is like false modesty when they're like, oh, like, like, yeah, like I like this is why I hate Taylor Swift because she always comes out (laughs) on stage like, wow, I can't believe there's people in the audience. Right. Like, and it's like, well, you're a huge pop star, of course. um And so I really appreciate I find it refreshing that people would like own their accomplishments. And I tend to like, um you know. Celebrities who are a little bit like braggy, like yeah. I loved Prince. I love people who talk about how they're they're great, right? Um, and that there's something in that. I think that like we're told that you're not supposed to do that. We're told that you're not supposed to be, you right. know,
2: um, too braggy. Especially as women. Oh, especially right. as women. And there's this whole likability leadership trade-off that women also face, right? That the more assertive women are, whether it's in a boardroom or about their own achievements, the less likable men and women are to see them or to consider them. So so let's let's talk about this study. Um, because it really is troubling to me, and I'd love to hear from our listeners if you find yourself self-censoring by accident or otherwise, or if this is something like me you used to do a lot and started to mindfully change. Yeah, because when you describe the way I am about my achievements now, I think I would agree I'm pretty unapologetically ambitious. And I think that's awesome. And what it's been challenging, I mean, I think it's been a little bit of a transition Um from being someone who I described in that in that piece. I said, listen, I'm I was a hot mess. Like I was and not that there's anything wrong with that either, but I was not I was so busy trying to be demure and coy. Right. That I was reeling in partners or prospective partners who were into that coy, demure me. And, and so was it like a bait
3: and switch where it's yes. like, hey guess what guys? I know you thought I have a super coy, but I'm actually super not. Yeah, like, like I'm <laughs> super
2: into work. Like surprise, deal with it. And there's some there's some problems with that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I have often been told that I, um, I like completely compartmentalize my like work and professional accomplishments and my like great example is that when I was graduating from college, my parents didn't know that I had been like selected to like give a like Why, speech. Why Because like, I didn't tell them until like we no, no, got no. there.
2: Why were you selected to give a speech? Because I was a
3: very good student and I was a very well liked student in my class and blah blah blah. Is that blah. not an
2: understatement? I think that might be an <laughs> understatement Bridget. Can you, can you own that achievement? For I me? will
3: own that achievement. Okay. I, was ch- I was chosen as our quote outstanding and graduated senior. There we go. And yeah, I mean, I think the I for some reason, I felt like that was not something I could like tell my parents. My parents. Like, I just like let them find out the day of. And I think like I've often been accused of sort of um, compartmentalizing and Is not. Is that another word for hiding your
2: achievements? Hiding though? my like-
3: achievements, maybe. Um, but I think that like. <laughs> You know, I something that so I like it when people own their achievements and that their ambition. But there's nothing I can stand less, and particularly in a, in a town like DC. And I think this is—it's obviously very gendered, but I think it like spans gender. People who are like really, really self-promoting, like I like—that's yeah. something that like I encounter often in DC, and it like ma- it like makes my skin crawl. So when someone is like legitimately ambitious and very proud of what they've done, I I love that, and I feel like I like. Gravitate toward that, even though that's not necessarily how I am. But then I feel like, cause you've, you've probably met the guy in DC who was like, talks so much about all these like big things he's doing and like yeah. who he's worked with. And I find that like, that is so the opposite of like my vibe. Yeah. And I feel like when it's genuine and someone is like coming from a place of like, I love what I do, I'm very proud of what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, they're owning it in a very genuine way. I love
2: that. Yeah, well- always be people who don't know if you're owning it in a genuine way, though. And totally. Think you're oh, that's a good point. That's the thing. I think you and I actually differ dramatically oh. in our approach to this. I'm not saying in our in our opinion per se, but, like, you and I are very different in how we own our achievements. I think. I think that's probably true. Is that fair? Would yeah, you agree Yeah, that's probably that? fair. And I think that'll make this conversation even more interesting, because I wasn't always like that, because it was so much easier to be coy and demure, because you wouldn't risk being seen as a jerk. Right. Now, I'm like... You know what far outweighs the amount of people who will inevitably think I'm a jerk for talking about my achievements are the people who will then show up in my life because they want to know more about these achievements or want to partner on something or, you know, will want to invite me to have a podcast or talk about stuff like that. Right. Because, like, there are always going to be people out there that think I'm a jerk.
3: Period. And And I think, like, what you're saying is so true is that, like, I feel like it's, Like, you should have the space to show up as yourself, right? Right. And so, like, if Emily is very proud of her accomplishments, like, you should be able to show up in that space, show up in life as, it in that way, and not get judged for it that you're going to, that you're being a jerk. But Um, we know
2: we all will. Like, that's the reality, is that we all will be judged, and, like, my take on it is, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves (laughs) here, but I hope you're, I hope you're still down. Stay with us. Is, like, I would much rather run the risk of some people thinking I'm full of myself than never to go out there and be my full self and like be talking about what we're what we're doing and because yeah, it's cool cause stuff. because you're doing cool stuff like yeah. like why should you like if you're someone who loves
3: what you do and you're doing cool stuff why should you not be able to right. like like revel in pride like
2: why. Like, Well, you know why? Because single women fear not ever getting a date. Because of the patriarchy. Yeah, right. And it's the research shows that men today, even today, men still prefer, quote, female partners who are less professionally ambitious than they are. And because of this, single women face a, a choice, right, to potentially take actions that might lead to professional success like Having a heavy social media pre- presence about your achievements right. and all of the stuff you're doing professionally, which might then be viewed less favorably in the heterosexual marriage market. You know that this is written by economists when they talk about <laughs> dating as being in the heterosexual the market. marriage market. Totally. Can I dive into this one study? Dive in. Okay. So they took a bunch of MBA program students, which is already a pretty biased sample. It's acknowledged the sort of privilege that goes into being in an MBA program and the fact that this is like maybe the most ambitious professional subset of the population you might find. They're like shelling out cash to go to grad school. Um, so knowing that sort of asterisk here and the asterisk that this is amongst heterosexual people only They asked students, you know, they said, here's a career services survey, and they're asking students, men and women, single and not so single people, about their potential desired compensation, how much travel they would be willing to take on, how many hours per week they would be willing to work for an internship that summer. So the guys was... Here's a career services survey that will determine how we match you with potential internships this summer. The more ambitious you are, the more likely you will be to be matched with a high tier, you know, whatever consulting firm that requires a a huge amount of dedication and whatever. Like no work-life balance is the underlying assumption here. Um, The answers for single women changed dramatically when students were told that they would be discussing their survey results as a class. So what happened was when when the secret was kept, when it was just a survey that they would turn in privately to the Career Services Center, women, women answered, single and not single women answered comparably, com- like compared to their classmates. Right. But when it came to like a public response that their classmates would see, including potential single dudes that were in the dating market, they, quote, lowered their desired yearly compensation from 131000 to 113000 on average. And so they're saying, I don't want that much money. I just want $113,000. Get, 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 get your, your money. money. God, I know. And then listen to this. They reduced their willingness to travel from 14 days per month to seven days per month. They also reported wanting to work four fewer hours per week and significantly lower levels of overall professional ambition and said that they had less of a tendency to lead. Women who were not single didn't change their answers when they were going to be shown to the whole class versus private.
3: That is wild. Isn't that insane? That I mean, like, I can almost sort of see, like, the travel thing, but the money thing. I mean, who doesn't like money? She, just, she doesn't want to threaten the dude. Ah, That's I can't, the I, thing. That to me is, like, is, is beyond. I mean...
2: And, and the researchers said, I'm, like, reading this, by the way, in Starbur- Star- Starburst. <laughs> That's where my mind went, to candy. I'm reading this in Starbucks, and I'm literally saying out loud, wow, wow, wow. After every paragraph in the study- That is wild. That's a wild study. They indicate that single women, but, quote, not women in a relationship, avoid actions that could help their careers when those actions have negative marriage market consequences.
3: Well, so I I think I have to sort of, like, flesh that out, and that I, I do think that, like, I think that we live in a society where I think a lot of dudes like the idea of of finding ambitious women attractive. This agree, is something I have agree. like encountered a lot personally. Um, but but actually
2: liking ambitious women is a different thing, right? Right. Like, it means like maybe you'd have to cook dinner like on the red
3: and like do like and and you know maybe your your partner's career would like be, you know, the most important thing for her for a while, or like, yeah. maybe like, you, she'd be Travel. gone for a while, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, like, like I said, I mean, I'm an ambitious person. I, I spent almost a month in Australia just for the service of my career, and, yeah. you know, was super excited to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, i I definitely have made, like, I, I would probably say my career is probably the most important thing to me in my life. Um, and so I'm certainly ambitious, but I do wonder if I've, if I have sort of like, I'm like working this, working out my, like, Entire theory around talking about your ambitions on this show. So, right. pardon me. Um, but yeah, part of me wonders if I, if I do sort of like shy away from talking about my ambitions because I worry, you know, around
2: the guy. Right. Yeah. Around the guys. Yeah. I mean, I certainly did. And I caught myself doing so. And the question for me that also comes up, I have so many questions for this, is at what point in a relationship? Does this switch flip? Right, where you reveal yourself like, to be like, oh hey What the heck? Like they say single women hide their ambition, which research backs up, but married women don't it's not marriage to me. Like it can't be marriage, because we know that marriage is like means really different things to really yeah. different people. Some people don't even don't ever want to get married. Some people like me have extremely ambivalent feelings <laughs> about marriage all the time that I've been working through that we need to do a whole other podcast yes. on. But um like at what point in a partnership do you stop having that result show up like four months into dating, six months into dating, two years into dating. I asked Brad the boo what he thought about this research. Cause I stumbled upon it. Um, while I was, it was, it just came out when I was with him, uh, in the same room and I read this study and I'm just freaking out. And I said, well, you know, what do you have to say about people who are men who are intimidated by women's ambition? And we talked about the whole article that I'd written four years ago now. And he said, That's only true for men or people," he said. "That's only true for people who don't see their partnership as a team effort. I think that's so wise and so true, right?
3: Like if you if you don't see your partnership as like an equitable team, like you're like or just like a
2: teammate, you want your teammate to get more money, right? right? Like you want their victory is your Your victory, victory,
3: right? right? I I completely agree, and I think uh, not to get too personal, but you know, I had a situation where someone, like a romantic partner in my life. Was, you know, we, we had to sort of come to grips with the fact that he was like, I find myself attracted to someone else because that person is not, is not as like career focused and is not as successful. And that's, frankly, that's not something that it was an isolated thing. Like that's, I've been said, been told that multiple times from romantic partners where, and again, I think it's like, they think they, li- they like the idea of the version of themselves that wants to be with like a badass career woman. But actually, yeah. that that version of themselves is like them believing the best, you know, like in in their perfect mind, if they're this like great person, it's aspirational. It's yeah, it's, it's exactly the one I'm looking for. It's aspirational, right? But it's like, how they really feel. in reality, mm. perhaps that's not mm. what they actually want. And I think like whatever, you, like you know, whatever you want is is fine. Like, well, it's you, helpful to know, but it's helpful I wouldn't to know. Say it's fine, and it's you like, shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be. If, if it's, if you don't actually want what comes with dating someone who is very ambitious and career focused, which means, yeah, making a meal every now and then, cleaning up, you know, being the person who does a lot of the domestic tasks, like yeah. being alone while that person is traveling for work or like, you know, making yourself, like, like being off on your own with that person is like doing work Fine. at night or whatever. Yeah, like being okay with that. Yeah. Like yeah. being okay with that and, and actually not just being okay with it, but like understanding that, like, that is part of, you know, of of your team like that like not being salty about it and of course like everyone gets salty when it's like you know I think you can get grumpy about it sometimes but like not like being willing to take pride in that Mm. because it reflects well on your relationship and like you're better when your you know teammate
2: is doing well yeah it's it is personal I mean I think this is a struggle that so many of us are dealing with and I want to talk this through in so many other levels but we have to take a break stick around there is way more nuance to this research we will unpack and walk through together in just a few moments. But first, a word from our sponsors.
0: This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So we know, listeners, it's been rough for a lot of people out there, and we've been very open about our experiences with therapy and how it's been so helpful for us in the past and in the present. And because of that, we wanted to highlight a service that we think might be of help to you all. BetterHelp, which offers licensed online counselors who are trained to listen and to help.
1: You can talk with your counselors in a private online environment at your own convenience from wherever you're comfortable. And BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas.
0: They can give you access to help that might not be available in your area. And you just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched with
1: a counselor in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is an affordable option, and our listeners get 10% off your first month with a discount code MOMSTUFF.
0: Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash MOMSTUFF. That's Better hel slash MOMSTUFF. Talk to a therapist online and get help.
4: Got to tell you about Best Fiends. It's the game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number 2 plays it sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game, so it won't stress you out which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family, all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's five-star rated, with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, and tons of characters to collect. You know, there are new in-game challenges and events every month, so the game's always fresh. You'll never be bored with it. You can even play the game without using Wi-Fi. So, here we go. You don't want to miss out on the game. Join millions of Americans and a lot of us here on the show— who are already playing this fun puzzle game, download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play today. Just go over there, hit download Best Fiends for free, Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends without the R, Best Fiends.
2: And we're back. And this is kind of an emotional episode for both of us. It is. I've, it's very personal. It's so, it's so directly related to the trade-offs that I think all of us are navigating right now. Um, but hello, I would love to hear from lesbian women. If this is so not a, an issue, like in the LGBT community, I would love to see what we can learn from folks who don't have all this baggage around gender roles. Because, totally. you know... Being in the marriage market, being, you know, being dating, being a person who's dating can feel like a very vulnerable experience. And we're told from all the research on shame and vulnerability, by the way, yeah. shout out to Brene Brown, that like the best way to actually find someone who loves you for being you is you have to dare. To let yourself be seen for yeah, who you for actually who you, are. For how you actually like, want to show up in the world. And not adapt and like hide your ambition totally. while you're in that dating pool. But then what this is saying is that, oh, sorry, ladies. like Because men still need to feel like men. And being a man in our society still means being a breadwinner. Even though that's not necessarily the kind of strict gender roles that any of us want to adhere to that it definitely, those messages are internalized and the result is we hide. We hide our ambition. Here in the HBR study, they did another, a couple of series of uh, of experiments that showed that when placed in an all-female group, those same MBA students were way more likely to report that they would prefer a high-paying, high-demand job. 68% of single women reported that. Whereas when placed with male peers... That number dropped to 42%. Wow. So all like 68% of these single ambitious women, a certain number of like, what, 20-something percent of them said actually no thanks when they were surrounded by men. And so, I, I mean, in all female groups, single women, the same sort of research, I should say, showed up, the same kind of results showed up when it comes to a job with a quicker promotion to partner, partner track, um, substantial travel, all of those trade-offs were like reminded of our risk of being seen as a not so dedicated girlfriend, not so dedicated parent, right. spouse, whatever. When we're just around men, we dim our ambition. How messed up is that's, that? That's
3: that's so awful. And like, I, you know, I'm 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 thinking back to when I was in high school. I went to all girl high school, and like, you know, I I oh, we should do an entire episode around around that. I but would like, love that. Yeah, but I mean, I definitely felt like in high school because it was just women. You never—it never even occurred to me to like, like it just was a different world. Like, so you know they do you studies weren't performing, right? yeah, yeah. They do studies where it's like, oh, when women are around, when young women are educated around young men, they demure more. They don't want to answer questions
2: because they, you know, they. They participate less. They don't right. want to be seen as bossy. And you know what's funny is that that was the third experiment that they did in this stuff. Oh. Even among MBA students. So we're not talking high school. Right, right. grade school. They conducted a student survey and analysis on participation grades because in the MBA program, class participation, participation is everything. Counts. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big part of it. And so what they did was, um, they found that, and this is self-reported. So take all this stuff with a grain of salt because we know self-reported data is not always the best. But they asked their MBA students, the same ones they'd been um, putting in this career center experiment, to see if that they had avoided certain actions that they thought would help their careers because they were concerned it would make them look, quote, too ambitious, assertive, or pushy. 64% of single females said that they had avoided asking for a raise or a promotion for that reason. So there's a lot of self-awareness on this censorship compared to 39% of women who were married or in a serious relationship, and only 27% of men. So 64% of single women compared to 39% of women in committed relationships. So over half of the single women reported avoiding speaking up in meetings, compared to about 30% of women who weren't single or men. Wow. I know. So really,
3: I mean, this, like... I mean, like, I, I, I always come back to this, but like, the patriarchy, man, like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. we,
2: smash it. Smash it. Smash How? it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Doesn't this make you want to pull your hair out?
3: It makes me, it's, this is, this is infuriating. And like, like I said earlier, I mean, it's such a personal, as women, as working women who are, you know, ambitious and, and pretty career focused, like, it's infuriating. And I, I, like, even just in this conversation, I'm like, think, taking note of all of the ways it has shown up in my personal life. And it's, it it makes me want to scream, like, and I part of me wonders, like, is this going to, as a you know, unmarried woman, is this it's going to be something that I am dealing with my for my whole life? Like, is this just going to be my you know, life is trying to navigate success in a field that I care about mm. so much and love so much, but also having to be mindful of like, well, do you want to get married someday? Do you want a man to like think you're attractive? Do you want yeah. a man to like think that you're marriage material or, like, dateable or whatever. And it's like, I mean, the more... I mean, this is a, a whole other podcast episode, but the more I think about this, there's a really great article about making the choice to be single forever by mm. this great writer, Lori Penny. Shout out to her. But I always go back to that, where sometimes I think... And this sounds so, like, gloom and doom, and I swear I'm a cheery person, but, like, sometimes I think that the op- the best option is, like, just to be like, I'm never getting married, I'm never going to date, I'm just going to, like, perp... Like, intentionally live a single life the way that, like, plenty of, like, writers and artists have done since forever and, like, making that choice. Because part of me is, like, it is not worth the headache to have to deal with navigating mm. this minefield of, like, you can't... If you want to, like, have a partner, you can't be your full self. And, like, yeah. you can't be... And I also think that, like, Girl, yeah. people don't understand what it's like to be a ambitious or creative woman. People think that, like, you're, you know, if, if you have ambitions or your creative or whatever, that you're going to get married and have a kid and those are going to fall by the wayside. And like, we totally allow men to show up in that way that like, you know, your career or your passion or whatever is a big part of your life. And we don't afford that to women at all.
2: Or at least we haven't historically. Correct. We could. this is where I'm optimistic. This is where I'm optimistic. First of all, I have been long obsessed with the happiness research around being single or being with someone. And I'm not saying this is the reason anyone should ever get married, but connection. Human connection, I think is why we're all here. Like at the end of the day, I think human connection is a humongous part of living a happy, healthy, and successful life. I put that in your quotes. But we shouldn't have to sacrifice our art, our careers, our focus, your passion. Our passions to do that, right? I think it's about finding the right kind of person and maybe at different times in our lives having the ability to communicate and compromise mindfully or not, or choose like, this has been a good ride, but like, I'm not about monogamy. You know what I mean? Like this has been a good ride, but it's time to move on to the next, you know, like this is the question. Yeah. I think one of the answers that I've come across is, and this is a core principle at bossed up is that we have to treat our personal lives as important as our professional lives. We have to see them together. We can't, we, I I think the uh, compartmentalization Can sometimes hurt our cause. Yeah. And one of the pieces of advice that they put together is saying that there might be a place for grad schools. Like there might be a place for MBA programs or college to help students think holistically about their ambitions, personally and professionally. That's basically the kind of safe space we've created at Boston right. is to say, "Hey, here's a radical concept. Come, bring your personal goals into the same piece of paper, into the same weekend, into the same consideration as your professional goals, and and talk about them that way with the people in your life."
3: Yeah, I mean, and, then, and like I keep going back to myself because this is something I deal with. It's it's a Good. completely personal thing, but like yeah. I am someone who like I can very clearly see it in my life and how it's played out. I compartmentalize the hell out of my, mm. my professional life. Like, I, I mean, for the longest time, if there was any kind of overlap between personal and professional, like, I was so skeeved out by that, like, was not something that I- oh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We like, talked about that. I, I am like, yeah. I, like, and I think that part of it is because the work that I've done, it's, Very social. It's very social. social. And like you're talking about, like,
2: don't date in the political world, right?
3: Yeah. Well, that and other things. I mean, my work basically for the longest time has been around, you know, has been very outreach focused and like making friends with lots of people, going out with lots of people, and making people feel good about our like it's relationship building. And like and like that can it can be super confusing. Like having that be a big basis of your professional work work can be very confusing alongside like friendships. And like romantic, romantic relationships. relationships. And so yeah. for me, I just have to have them completely distinct where it's mm. like, these are my like co-workers and I love them dearly and they're so great. Right. But then, but those are very different than my like, you know, professional and personal and like family. And so like. Yeah. Well,
2: I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah.
3: But I think that it can, it can go. I think that it does, has not afforded me the ability to like show up as my full, se- my full self in all the spaces, you know? It, so it's it, like, yeah. I can't, you know, I, like, would be very uncomfortable. If I went to a professional development space and someone was like, so tell me about your family ambitions, I would be like, what?
2: Yeah, which and- I'm not advocating for either, though. To be clear, like, like they can't legally do that. If oh, yeah, hired, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all, all that stuff. But, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of what I'm, I'm trying to say here. What I found helpful is bringing my work to my dating life. Right. And making sure that my personal priorities are integrated into my work choices, too. Does yeah, that make sense? I so think it's, that it's makes personal. Yeah. And again, it's it's holistic, it sounds it, like. That's what it Yeah, where like. it's like,
3: and I think, I mean, I've had work situations where, like, they, your, my, your boss doesn't, almost, like, does not expect you to be a person, like, you're a robot, and so, like, if, right. you, if you need a sick day, or, like, your kid is sick, or whatever, exactly. it's like, you're not able to show up as the, you know, individuals that we are with family responsibilities, friend responsibilities, romantic responsibilities. And don't pretend to yourself. Like you can right. check all of that baggage Exactly, at the door. exactly. And I think yeah. work, I mean, yeah. like bringing it back to your favorite thing, which is like professional development, yeah. work scenarios where they afford for like, you know, that we're all people and that, you know, maybe a one day, approach. yeah, work, I think is, is great. I think so too. All
2: right, let's take a quick break and collect our thoughts and take, take the temperature in here for a second. And we will be right back with more sort of conclusions that these researchers came to. And frankly, a whole lot more questions for you because we don't have this all figured out and I'd love to hear what you have to say. So we'll be right back after this quick break.
1: This episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to
0: your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery
1: store and makes home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. When's the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? With Quip's new smart electric toothbrush, good habits can earn you great perks like free products, gift cards, and more.
0: The Quip smart brush for adults and kids connects to the Quip app with Bluetooth, So you can track when you're brushing, get tips, you can earn points, and you can redeem those points for rewards.
1: Already have a Quip? Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today and go to getquip.com slash stuff mom right now to get your first refill free. That is your first refill free at getquip.com slash stuff mom spelled G E T Q U I P dot com slash stuff mom. Quip better oral health made simple and rewarding. And we're back,
2: and this is a big burly topic, so thanks for hanging in there with us. Sorry, sminty listeners. Slash, we're not sorry. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Because I, I hope that the sort of the pain and challenge of weeding through this stuff is like resonating because I think we're all trying to figure this out if we have any semblance of wanting to have ambition peacefully coexist with love. That is what I've been writing about, by the way, since high school and college. Like my my college, what you might call a thesis, which was just a really long paper, wasn't technically a thesis, was on gender equality and romantic love amongst heterosexual couples. So this like really
3: bringing it back home for you in terms of your writing and
2: research. Like we could have a whole like podcast about the philosophies behind romantic love and behind gender equality. And sadly that paper ended with, there are no solutions. <laughs> also that paper ended with like, they are fundamentally incongruent. But here's, here's the thing, right? Let's look at the research that we are, we've been unpacking. All of these studies show that women do in fact censor their ambition, downplay their ambition when they are single and believe that it might hurt their dating prospects. So two things there. One is that we need to be able to make that choice mindfully and right. not unconsciously. So if that's, you know, if you want to, I think the the, Brene Brown stuff also comes back to the fact shame. that if you, if you bring that shame into your dating life, you're going to attract people who are attracted to a false version of you. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's never good for any, like
3: I used to sort of be the kind of girl who would like pretend to be really into like sports and right. like whatever other dumb stuff guys like. And then when they like would get to know the me. NHL episode, you would know that <laughs> we're not. Now it's like, I mean, I have, I have, I, I'm kind of like learning as I go and that like I don't want to pretend to be the kind of person who enjoys stuff that I don't enjoy, and then yeah, you know, and then high five later. Like, be like, oh, actually, I hate this, and uh, well, sorry, not, I tricked you. It's
2: not fair to anybody.
3: It's not fair to me or to the person that I'm doing it right. to. Right.
2: And the, the the third thing here is that to keep in mind that there are we're all bringing the context of antiquated but sticking gender roles with us to these conversations. So right. there are many ways in which. We unconsciously unconsciously have internalized what it means to be a good woman and being a non-threatening sweet non-ambitious person was wrapped up in all that baggage that both men and women are still dealing with in terms of the proclaimed man who wants an ambitious woman but struggles with the fact that that comes with a lot of stuff that he might not have bargained for I think my we're still figuring that stuff out in our yeah. relationship like there's just I think it's a lifetime of of what the research really comes to say, which is open and honest conversations. And yes, I think it
3: always comes back to that. And I think, like, you know, it, it's... I often say this on the show, but, like, gender is, like, a minefield sometimes. And it's, it's often difficult to see the ways that it shows up in our personal lives, but it does. And it's, like, our... job, Like, part of the whole trip of the patriarchy is that We're all kind of unlearning it and like unpacking it it together as we go, and like we don't we don't know how it's going to show up. And even Mm -hmm. the most like woke with it progressive couple, it's I mean these these things are ingrained. Like it's they've been ingrained for so long that of course we can't escape them, even if we would
2: like to. Right. And so having conversations that are not just about. Your likes and dislikes. Like, Mm -hmm. do you like long walks on the beach with pina coladas? Yeah. But also your career ambitions and expectations about mutual support. What does that actually look like? How does that change over time and continue to have those conversations? And that actually came out uh, from another study that I think is worth mentioning here, albeit briefly, um, that shows what happens a little further on down the life cycle of this problem. So the initial problem we talked about is women downplaying our ambition during the dating season of life here, um, or at least dating season one, right, for whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a Netflix show. Dating season, season one. one. Uh, so here's what happens next, and I I really hate to be the bearer of bad news on this, but there's a research that found that women with high-status careers – in particular, more demanding career paths than their husbands, so again, this is super heteronormative, Um, lead to women, those women being indeed more likely to experience feelings of resentfulness or embarrassment, feeling that their status was somehow decreased by their husband's lower status position, which has... Obviously, a negative impact on marital happiness and an increased likelihood of divorce. So, whoa, Nellie. Okay, so here's what we've done here. We've downplayed our ambition. We've reeled in a a match. Okay, we get married. Then your career maybe takes off or you have a lot of ambition. You get that high status career that you've been driving for your whole life. And now you resent your husband as a result of that.
3: And I mean, like, that, it's like a, it's like a recipe for an unhappy marriage. Why? It's just like, and this is all because of gender roles. Right. Like, it's a, it's a recipe mm. for not, for like resentment and bitterness. And then like, I, I don't think this is, this is in the research, but like, if you have a kid in the mix, like, it's just like the idea of like, oh, mom resents dad because, because the patriarchy forced, her, gender roles forced her to like, be a version of herself that she wasn't to attract him. Yeah. Like, that's, it's no way!
2: Up. Up. And there is there is one silver lining in this research. There is a, a solution, a cure. What's the okay? cure? The cure to not having a resentful, high octane woman driving the career of the family is when husbands provide, or at least their wives felt that their husbands provide high levels of instrumental support, such as helping with domestic responsibilities or child and elder care. Then in, in that case, like having a higher status career than your husband doesn't negatively impact your marital happiness.
3: Right. And I think that's, Duh. I mean, that, that makes so much sense to me because women just want, I mean, like we just want to be, feel supported, right? And we want to feel like meaningfully right. supported and like. Tangibly so. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like you, like, and this is, I think goes back to the analogy that you talked about with Brad, where it's like, if you're a team, if one member of the team is like killing it and like, you know, doing all, doing all the things, the other member of the team is finding a way to also contribute. meaningfully contribute to the team. Yeah. And it's like, even if, even if, you know, you're not to go with the, I shouldn't be making sports analogies, but I'll try <laughs> Uh to, if you're the like pitch hitter, <laughs> uh, like, like the number, like the, like the star, this escapes my vocabulary, this is getting yeah. a little out there, but like, if you're the star player right. on the team, whatever, that like, even if you're like kind of on the bench, as like the towel right. manager, you're still finding a oh. way to support, right? Like you're <laughs> yeah. still part of the same team. Yeah. I shouldn't make sports wow. analogies. I'm sorry. That's beautiful.
2: <laughs> but also, I think it's. I mean, I have some weird feelings about this because I, I like to think that I'm motivated to contribute to my partnership, right? Like, there's definitely this desire to make someone as happy as they've made you, or whatever that right. whatever you might want to call that. Um, that like desire to contribute to the team as a win, like whatever that win looks like. But would we ever say this to women? Oh, hell no. Like, look at this research. This research says, like, let's just sub out men for women here for a second. The research basically says if we were to reverse the words men and women here, it would say men in higher status careers resent their wives unless their wives pitch in tangibly at home with laundry and dishes. And so I just, I I mean, that would not be politically correct No, So this study kind of rubs me the wrong way is like contribute. Duh. Everybody wants to feel supported emotionally and very practically when it comes to the care duties of the work of unpaid labor that goes into homemaking and child rearing and elder care and all that stuff that's unaccounted for in our economy. Um, And contributing to the bottom line of the family budget, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, there—you don't have to like. There are other ways to contribute to a to a domestic partnership than breadwinning, right? Like, and I do think—I mean, this is a whole other episode, but like, like the domestic labor has been because it's associated with women. I think that's why we under—we don't value it. So, like, child care, elder care, domestic things, things like that. Unfinished business.
2: Actually, Anne-Marie Slaughter wrote a book called "Unfinished Business" about that exact problem. Yeah, Kristen Caroline. An episode yeah, with her last shout day. out to them because yeah. I mean it's it's so true. Like, yeah. and I think
3: that we we downplay that, but it's so important. And it's like, if you're, how are you able to go out and do wage earning work if someone is not either you're paying for like a maid or a cook to come right, do these things, right. or someone in your household is doing them? Exactly. Sigh. Le yeah. sigh. This is a troubling it's, episode. It's, it is for a me. troubling yeah. one.
2: It's it calls into question, like, well, what the hell are we supposed to do about it? Right? Like, as single women. Who are potentially in the dating pool. Right. Like, we've already talked through some of our coping mechanisms, but can we also talk about what men can do? Yes. One, clean up around the house. No I'm kidding. <laughs> but not no, really. But two, yeah, please do pitch in <laughs> equally. We're getting closer, but women, according to the Washington Post last year, women are yeah. still doing twice the amount of housework and childcare duties in households in which men and women both work full time. So let that sink in for a second. That's awful. And I also think like,
3: I-, I hate the societal thing of like, Like, do you ever see those memes on social media that are like, um, if a woman doesn't cook, like she's not good? It's like, like learn how to like. We should be teaching both boys and girls at an early age how to take care of yourself, how to cook, how to clean, do laundry, all of that. Like this idea that like it's a woman's job to come in and like do that. Like
2: that's not cute. That's not good. So, I think to hammer to sort of bring this baby home here, I think we want to make conscious choices about being clear with ourselves and our loved ones about our ambition professionally, knowing that you don't have to be super crazy ambitious. You don't have to want to travel all the time for work. You don't have to want to seek out a high-paying job. But if you do, maybe don't suppress that desire, especially while you're in the dating market. And accounting for the unconscious habit that has now been proven that women tend to shy away from being clear about their ambition professionally around single men. Like, is that a thing that you're experiencing if you're not in the dating pool, if you're not looking to get married, if you're not attracting a male partner, like, I don't know, TBD. Like, I would love more research on this. I think the researchers actually ended that study by saying we need to test inhibiting factors. We need to test, um, how women can deal with this. And we also need men to check that unconscious bias against ambitious women. Like we need you to be down with ambitious women and be down with what actually comes with ambitious women, or at the very least, don't have that cognitive dissonance between right. what you say you want and what you actually want.
3: Totally, just like I mean, I, I keep saying this, but like, show up as your authentic self, right? Like if you, yeah. if you, which is scary. It is scary, and it's and it's a chat. We have to. Sort of like what you were saying at the beginning of the show, of unlearning, like challenging yourself to unlearn, Mm. being demure about your accomplishments. I think we all have to like agree challenge ourselves
2: to show up the, the way that we need to to make to make this make this thing work. Yeah, because the people that become unattracted to you when you're being your unapologetically ambitious self are people that you would rather weed out.
3: Yeah, you don't want that, you don't need yeah. those people
2: in your
1: life <laughs> yeah, anyway. Exactly.
2: Ding, ding, ding. I think that is the secret to happiness. I also think, you know, we could do a whole episode on this around Brene Brown's research mm-hmm. and a lot of the social work that's been done from the sociological perspective on shame and why we, why it is scary to show up as your authentic self. Um, but we, we want to hear from you. I mean, girls, we need to hear from you. We need like, to hear from you. And also, we-
3: like, Folks who are not folks who are like this is again a very heteronormative episode. But we want to hear how other kinds of couples
2: are doing it. I have a feeling that gay couples have figured this out. I really do. Let like us I have, know. A fig- I have a feeling that w- when you've already bucked all of the gender normative, heteronormative gender roles that come with relationships, I have a feeling that the gays will lead the way on this. <laughs> <laughs> so please tell us tell us what this experience has been like for you because clearly we're still struggling with it. Um, and tell us about, if you're a man listening to this, tell us what it's been like to unlearn some of the unconscious habits that, or feelings that you might have or attitudes that you might have been taught to feel about having a high-octane woman on your arm. Like, what does it look like to have a girlfriend whose career is crushing it um, do you feel threatened? Women, do you feel threatening? Like I sometimes do or did, and now I don't care that I do. but you know, like how do you how do you get over that?
3: Yeah, please please write it. We want to hear it all. like please write it. It's clearly not something that we're like struggling with in real time, so we can work through this together. Yeah,
2: please don't hesitate to drop us a line on Instagram at stuff Mom never told you on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast, and get in our inbox at MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. dot com.
5: Hi, I'm Allie Wentworth. How do I grow a teenager in a pandemic? Well, that's exactly what I want to find out. In my new podcast Go Ask Allie, I'm asking experts to help me answer that question. For example, are quarantine teenage girls more apt to Instagram nude photos? Are they somehow gonna end up on the dark web? Are teenagers getting ripped off by their new virtual education? And how do we deal with their overwhelming anxiety and uncertainty? And are they losing empathy? I'll be talking to experts and friends like my friend Brooke Shields. She'll reveal how her complicated sexual upbringing has influenced how she is as a mother to teenage girls. It's a new world and how we raise these young humans in it determine our future. So let's share some real experiences with all new episodes releasing every other Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: In this time of
3: pandemic and revolution, do you find yourself frustrated at high levels of corruption and inequality, at our inability to get basic things done, at the persistence of systemic racism? You're not alone. I'm Baratunde Thurston, author, activist, and comedian. Our democratic experiment is at a tipping point. But which way we tip is up to us. Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.